Welcome to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with your host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary are provided by Jackson Delisle and Monica Hacker. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing, and distribution is provided by the Social Jack production team. All right, today's show is brought to you by Planable. Planable Planable.io gives your social media team everything they need to really move their creative process forward. It allows you to preview social media posts as they are live, real time. No more screenshots, mock-ups, spreadsheets, ah, spreadsheets. Your (laughs) clients can review content from within the platform. And do you have anything to say about it, Monica? It's a great platform. We've been using it now for a month. I love it. Um, it's a game changer in the content world. I highly suggest it. Yeah, go to Planable, P-L-A-N-A-B-L-E dot I-O to start your free trial today. All right. This week's Influence Factory guest is none other than my uh, good friend, uh, Travis Lebinski, and he is known as Trav. And uh, he is the founder of Flex Watches. He's an e-commerce and product specialist with 10 plus years of experience. He sold tens of millions of dollars in products directly to consumers, acquired hundreds of thousands of paying customers. He's also created licensed products and executed marketing campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world, such as Disney, Star Wars, WWE, and Minions, one of my favorites. So, Trav, welcome to the Influence Factory. Hey, Dean. Thanks for having me. Good. And uh, you're not in Beverly Hills today, but you're in San Diego, which is sort of close. I've made the drive. So uh, how was it coming down? That's good. It was a couple hours, but nice drive down the coast. Did you come down this morning or last night? Uh, I came down yesterday. Actually, okay. I had a speaking engagement down here last night. Right on, right on. So did you hear that? Trav is also open to speaking gigs. So make sure you get a hold of his agent. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or just ask Dean and he can text me. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so I haven't seen you since uh, we did the show together um, in uh, in LA. And what was fascinating is I had you in because I had heard your story a couple, uh, I think about a year or so ago uh, at one of the uh, board meetings there at Halanis. And then I heard you uh, in LA's uh, tell it. And, um, and it, it really all started from the dorm room, right? At college. Yeah. Um, I actually started a screen printing company when I was in college. So I went to school down here at San Diego State University. And I quickly realized that there wasn't a place to design and manufacture cool Greek apparel. So I started my own printing company. And me and a friend started printing shirts and drying them in the kitchen for our fraternity. And that quickly expanded into us creating an entire company around it and uh, getting licenses and doing all sorts of fun things in the printing space. Yeah. So what, what had you, um, what sparked that idea? Just needing money or did you, where did the idea come from? I just had a passion for being in fashion and wanted to create a brand since I was a little kid. Uh, And I think this was like a stepping stone for me. And I saw it as an opportunity to create apparel for something that I was going to be part of. So it was my fraternity. And I personally didn't like the clothing. So I wanted to design cooler clothing. And once I did that, 
I went through the process and realized that there really wasn't a reliable and affordable place around the college area. And it was a big need. So that's when the entrepreneur and me decided, you know what, there's an actual business here. And let me go door to door and ask all these fraternities and sororities if they want shirts too. And so I just pre-designed everything and brought it to them and said, hey, if we made you these shirts, would you buy them? And I came in with a competitive price and a good design. And it, you know, one thing led to another and it turned into a 10-year business for me. So right now, today, you're known as a digital guy, but yet you went door to door back then. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you think about it, you went, you did it the old fashioned way. Yeah, I did that door to door. And then even when I started the watch company, which we'll get into later, we were in retail, you know, and I was doing the same thing, uh, just going to trade shows and you know, doing grassroots marketing and trying to get our product in front of people who could make a decision to buy it, whether that was the t-shirt chair for the sorority or the buyer for Nordstrom's. I still had to go door to door and hit the pavement and make sales. And it's a lot different than it is now for sure. Yeah. So, um, so with, um, you know, with the, the shirts, did it, uh, did it grow into anything beyond the university and doing it for uh, sororities and fraternities? Yeah, I started working with local businesses. Um, and then as we graduated, a lot of my friends started working at different places in the corporate world. So uh, I started getting some contracts. And then uh, again, my passion was for artists and influencers and celebrities. So I started doing artist merchandise. Um, and I picked up a couple clients that are pretty well known, like Paris Hilton. And I started working on their merch and it just kind of spread. So I started doing artist merch. And that's what actually got me to go overseas and start finding products to bring in. Cause I would go find say a hat or sunglasses for Paris Hilton. And I would order thousands of them and then bring them into the States and store them in my warehouse and ship them for them. So it was before drop shipping. I was the guy who was holding the product and drop shipping for them. Right. So that kind of opened up that world to me of not only just printing t-shirts, but then manufacturing products overseas and importing them and fulfilling orders to customers. All right. Now, come on. You don't just get Paris Hilton. Tell us a little bit how you got to Paris Hilton to get Paris Hilton. So one of my friends ended up going into the entertainment industry and he became her manager. So it's all about uh, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. Um, I just had to tee that up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and it, it sparked... Yeah, it sparked a lot, but I, I said it then as a young kid and I say, now your network is your net worth, right? So uh, it's all about who you know. I definitely delivered superior products. <laughs> it's all about who you know. <laughs> I definitely gave good product at quality price points, but I had the in, right? So I was able to go into these rooms and actually show these people. Uh, and I, I heard a lot of no's, but just, you only need a couple of yeses and then you're off to the races. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, it's always funny. I mean, you've probably broken the record in terms of the fastest somebody said that. So at an early age, you realize the power of your network um, in somebody that you knew that was a manager of Paris Hilton. Um, was that something that, that you grew up with uh, your whole life? Is that something your parents taught you? Because I mean, that doesn't isn't usually something that you automatically have. You know, it actually just happened somewhat naturally when I was in college. And I started realizing that since I was friends with the people that were in the fraternities or sororities, or I was friends with the person who had the job that ordered the t-shirts, that 
I could go pitch anyone, but there was a lot of people out there that did screen printing. So unless they really wanted to do you a solid, they didn't have to switch their production. So I was looking for people who were already spending thousands and thousands of dollars on printing. And I realized that like they weren't just going to give me the business because I was young and we were a new company. So I had, I had no choice and I had to go to people that I knew. And then that eventually made me realize that all these people in my network are telling other people and word of mouth spread. This is, this is before Facebook. Right. So this is just like, Hey, yeah, this guy made my shirts over there. And then all of a sudden that's a friend referral. And as soon as that started happening and then we started with Facebook, I realized that I could have my friends share my content on social media and then they could bring in their network. So I started commissioning my friends and I was like, hey, what can you get, you know? And so we started making little Facebook groups and pages um, and everyone just started basically connecting with one another. And you were being marketed to like connect, 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 right? With Facebook, connect with everyone, connect with everyone. And I just kind of picked up on it and was like, all right, cool. I'm going to build not only my personal business professional network, but I'm going to build my social network, right? So I've been doing that same thing for, I look back, it's been 15 years, you know? Yeah. So with that being said, uh, is this, um, is this the part where you got into licensing too? Yeah. So when I was doing the Greek printing, I ended up actually getting a knock on my door from the Greek licensing committee and found out that you had the license logo. So I didn't really know that you had to have a license to print someone's logo on a t-shirt as crazy as that sounds, but I was young and naive. Uh, and that's when I got legit. So that's when I got my first license, which was the Greek license. And then I went on and got collegiate licenses. And then I started doing artists and I was like, let me do everything. Let me design, manufacture, sell and ship the product for you. And I'll just pay you a royalty. So I had that concept in my head, which you look at my brands today, we got Star Wars license, Minions license. So it's been a big part of my DNA. Uh, and it's really helped me like reach new audiences and sell to people who want it. Cause the bottom line is a t-shirt with some bright colors on it and a picture of a wave or a sunset isn't going to sell like that same picture with some alpha fee letters. So now all of a sudden there's millions of alpha fees that want that shirt. Right. So I caught on to that and I've leveraged licensing and other people's intellectual property. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, um, and then where did you take things from there? So what happened, you know, next was, uh, did it grow into a little bit of an empire? Did you sell it off? What happened next? Yeah. Uh, so I started doing a lot of sourcing and bringing products in overseas and, uh, I'd already kind of built that pipeline of that supply chain. And a friend of mine came to me and said, let's start a watch company. And that's really when I jumped at that opportunity to source the flex watch and become the co-founder of flex watches. And my team kind of turned into that. My office turned into that and each color represent a different charity that we partnered with to give back 10%. So we immediately started going to different charities and doing licensing agreements with them where we would donate instead of pay a royalty. So it kind of all evolved, but I kept that business running and I did merch for artists and celebrities. And to this day, um, actually I sold off all my equipment and shut down the business itself. But to this day, I still have that client list and I still have a large network of manufacturers and some clients I do referral work with. Um, it's just cause it's not worth my time anymore. 
but it's still nice to have someone call you with an order and then refer it to a printer because those printers in my network love it. And they're like, oh, we just need work, right? Because they have the machines, yeah. they have the warehouse. And so I quickly realized that I didn't want to be in a warehouse in 100 degree weather, 12 hours a day, you know? And it took me a long time to get out of that, but I did that for six or seven years. Then we started Flex. And then I kind of got a name for myself and I was able to kind of step away from that. And that's when I closed down the warehouse and I started outsourcing to 3PLs so I could have third party fulfillment and customer service and get out of the warehouse. And then I moved to LA to pursue influencer marketing and work with celebrities. That's cool. So um, on the um, on the watch itself, it, it was uh, it had different colored bands, right? So different colored bands that represented the charities. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll show you right here. So the watches are interchangeable and each color represents a different charity. So like black is hunger, red is arts. So this is a hunger and arts watch. But oh, we, got it. Okay. we evolved it from just the plain colors to printed. So now we have, if you go on flexwatches.com, you'll see that there are specific patterns that represent each charity, not just colors now. Autism, for instance, is puzzle pieces, breast cancer, oh, nice. ribbons, because those communities uh, really wanted it. And in the beginning, it was more of a fashion accessory. It was all just about interchangeable watches that match and do good. And as time went on, I realized that there were communities of people like the autism community uh, who were very supportive and they wanted to wear their pattern. And when we started doing that, it actually started working more because it was a conversation piece. So now if you walk in with a bright yellow and blue puzzle piece watch, people are like, oh, what's up with that watch? As opposed to just a yellow watch, you know? Um, so we've continued to evolve the patterns and we started putting them, we made those patterns for the watches, but now we started putting them on all sorts of stuff that give back. And we've kind of created our own charity patterns. Wow, that's super cool. That's super cool. And, um, and then, um, was it just by accident that, um, didn't, didn't you like uh, discover by accident that, um, you're watching a music video and Justin Bieber was wearing one of your watches? Definitely wasn't an accident. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> now after I, like, right when I moved to LA, uh, I became friends and partnered with a guy named Tyga. He's a music artist. And Tyga had a brand called Last Kings. So we did a collaboration and he saw the different things I'd done in the past. And I was like, let's put your logo on my watch face. The same way, like even now we did, this is a Star Wars watch. Right. That's Darth Vader. But in the same capacity, we had the Pharaoh for his brand was Last Kings. And uh, in the first week of the watches coming, we basically decided that we wanted to start marketing them. And he ended up having a song with Justin Bieber. And they were shooting a music video the day the samples were arriving. So literally, they landed at my house at 9 a.m. And I drove an hour and the call time was at 11. So I literally had an hour before that. And I just showed up on set with the watches. And the song was called Wait for a Minute. So it was like oh my God. all around time. Yeah. In, in the storyboard from the director, it said, use a watch to freeze time as a prop. So I was like, yo, this has to be the watch. And I just told Bieber and I told Ty, I was like, this has to be the watch. Um, 150 million views later, it was the watch. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he didn't say flex watch, right? <laughs> no, it did. It did. If you uh, if you Google wait for a minute, the music video in the opening scene, um, everyone's moving, and then he lifts his hand up, and it's straight up close up flex logo right there, and he goes, "Wow!" Boom. And it's it's pretty incredible. I, I saw him them shoot it, but when I saw the music video, my heart dropped to the floor. I was like, "I bet." Whoa. And I was just refreshing a million views, two million views, five million views. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. By the time I checked my website, we were sold out. You know, it's just like, oh man, That's awesome. I had more money to buy more watches at that time. You know? Right. So then, um, yeah, so that's, that's an amazing opportunity. So then where did you take it from there? I, I really learned through um, starting Flex Watches and getting exposure through like reality TV and with influencers that it was all about creating those like lightning in a bottle moments where we can, I call it ABCD, but we can attract new customers, build our brand, connect with consumers and drive traffic. Yeah. So I've been really focused on like that element, not just a viral video that's funny, not just like ending up on a TV show, but I've really worked to integrate myself and my products as storylines like organically into these various different things that I've done. And whether that be MTV's real world or CNBC, the profit, um, those were obviously huge integrations on national television with millions of eyeballs on them. So the effects of those are to, they, they do all ABCD and they drive a lot of traffic. So that's kind of like the game for me at the top of the funnel, but where I became an expert is capturing data, capturing emails, bringing these people back to the website to purchase. And I understood that if someone saw a viral video, that doesn't mean they're going to buy. But if someone saw right. a viral video and then they got reminded and then they got offered a product and a discount and then they got reminded about the discount, eventually, if you hit them over the head enough times, <laughs> they'll buy. <laughs> so That's I cool. had these moments where I was like, whoa, we got a million visitors, but you know, we only had a couple thousand people order. How do we get these other 998,000 people back? Right. So email marketing, uh, that was number one. It still is like 25% of all my sales for e-commerce for every site. But, uh, I just really learned like once we get customers information or get someone to the site, we want to offer them something to get their email pretty obvious. Uh, and then we put them into email blasts two to three times a week and then automation flows based on the action they took. So nice. what I mean by that is if they saw the video or if they clicked on the video and went to a link and if they viewed a page or they viewed a product or they bought a product, that's all different, right? So we have these one-to-one -one conversations with people, which I know you understand, but yeah. um, I didn't. And so we were just kind of like, oh, what should this email say? Okay, hey, you forgot this in your card, you know? And just like kind of trying to figure it out. These days, you could literally Google welcome series, abandoned cart flow, post-purchase, win back, loyalty, all the different flows. And there's subject lines and all sorts of recommended stuff. But then it was just like, hey, we got a bunch of emails. Like, how can we automate this so that we don't have to keep sending these email blasts? Um, right. And it turned into its own thing where email blasts were us just broadcasting our brand and giving out offers and products. And automation was more of the like selling down the middle and lower funnel. I'm bringing them back. 
Yeah. So do you have any, um, do you have any favorite tools that you use, you know, as part of that automation? Like you're, you know, you know, I know sometimes it's like, well, for this product, we'll use this kind of funnel system. And for this, we'll use this marketing automation. Any thoughts on what you found that works best out there for you? Yeah. Currently for email automation, Klaviyo, um, it's it's a nice, robust platform. It's good for CRM. It's also just good for regular email marketing as well as automation. So it integrates nicely with all platforms, Shopify, ClickFunnels, Alanis, all those things. So um, it's definitely important. You said Klaviyo? Yeah, Klaviyo. Okay. Uh, We'll put that in the show notes, folks, so you don't have to uh, worry about that right now. And then um, just real real quick, because I think, you know, because what I like is um, how you leverage your network and all of your connections and you're opportunistic, but you were a true entrepreneur and that you didn't give up. You kept, you kept going at it in different ways and you kept making sure that wherever you were at, people knew what you were doing. You know, and I, and I think half the world forgets, like, it's okay to talk about what you do. I know it drives my wife crazy sometimes because it's like, man, you're always talking business. And no, I'm like, I'm excited about what we do. We change lives. You know, we create influencers. We help people get to that next part of themselves that they're afraid to go to. And we get excited about it and I want to talk about it. So I, I appreciate that about you because I think too many times people – Uh, tend to hold the best parts of what they're doing and their story back. Do you agree with that? Totally. Yeah. And I think it's super important to be vocal about it and manifest what you want to happen and, you know, live your business and speak about it. Yeah. Uh, Another point that is just like, for me, it's just, it's just about doing something. It's like ideation, do it. There's no in between. Just do it. You know, like all these people, there's so much wasted time talking about things and planning it's like cool just start and you'll figure out what you need you know and that's that's been my whole motto is like let's just do it you know it's like the amount of effort energy time thinking that you put into these things that may never happen it's like let's just test it let's just throw some few bucks at it and see if it works whether that's literally ten dollars at a facebook ad you know what i mean let's just see if it works uh that's and that's also caused me to have a lot of failures but they're quick you know, and I just learn quick and I just move on. And that's why I went from, you know, designing shirts to printing shirts to sourcing product to starting my own brand to marketing in, in retail stores and going to trade shows to building websites and going on TV to working with influencers. It's, it was never easy. It was always like a shot in the dark. And now when you look back, people are like, oh, you worked with Justin Bieber and you had YouTube videos and you work with Logan Paul, and he blew up on Instagram. It's like, yeah, but I was working with Tygat before Kylie Jenner, before he dated her. And I was working with these kids before Instagram. You know what I mean? So when they had 30, 40, 50,000 followers on Instagram that were engaged, 100, 200,000 followers, it was like, they post, we make thousands of dollars. Today, they have millions of followers, and it's not the same game. Yeah. So it, it's interesting because I just... I got in at the right time when it wasn't ever like the thing, you know, I was drop shipping when I was 25 years old out of a warehouse in San Diego. And now you can't get away from building your personal brand and drop shipping. It's like, yeah, literally been talking about my network, then putting myself out there front and center in all the businesses and building my personal brand and attaching it to that, which is ultimately allowed me to just attach me to different things. And if those things fail, I still, I'm still there. I still right. go on. The show still rolls on, you know, so. You're still the constant in all of that. 
Um, yeah, never stop, you know? Yeah, so in that, you know, with, um, you know, sort of with the influencer marketing space and um, you're in the you're in the midst of a lot of uh, mega and macro influencers as well. Uh, what would you want to say to people out there that are just starting out? Because, you know, everybody starts somewhere like what you just mentioned and you have, um, you know, you have nanos and micros now that are looking for that next piece of themselves and the game has sort of changed in terms of the algorithms and everything else. So can you walk us through as if you're advising or coaching us about, you know, I have this great thing that I want to be, I want to be this and I want to take this to market. What would you say to those people? Um, number one, know who you are, you know, know who you want to be. You got to choose one thing. I'm like a million things, but I'm the founder of Flex Watches because it's easy. It's tangible. You can attach yeah. it to it go to Instagram and see it. I don't talk about being an author, a speaker, tech consultant. I don't, you know, it's just, it's just part of it, you know, and it's, it's assumed. And obviously I own that whole product and e-commerce expert because I've worked in products and e-commerce. So you tie those things back to the brand and then you have consistency and then you actually have to be consistent. You have to have a consistent voice. You have to create consistent content. You have to post it consistently. You can't just be uniplatform. You have to be on all platforms. You can't just be on YouTube. You have to put your video everywhere. Um, and I think that that's what people are missing. And you look at, say, Gary Vee, he's hitting people over the head with it right now. He's like, join TikTok, <laughs> right. join TikTok, join TikTok. And there's a reason for that. It's because there's a captive audience of hundreds of millions of kids on TikTok. So... Of course, like join TikTok if you want to be an influencer. That's where you're going to blow up next. No one is blowing up on Instagram tonight, tomorrow, next year. It's not, it's not going to happen. The more brands are willing to pay the platforms, the higher the CPMs are going to go and the more expensive it's going to be to reach people. So they're going to want you, even if you are an influencer working with a brand to do a branded handshake or a partnership and they're going to restrict your reach so that the brand pays. And you have to align yourself with a brand that has the same ethos and the same story as you so that it feels authentic, organic, it's consistent. And if you're working with a brand, now you want them, and here's a little hack, don't tell anyone I told you this, but you want the brand to spend the money to get you the visibility. So what yeah. you want to do is create good content and align with the brand so that they're tagging you and they're posting you and you're giving their community something. And that's, honestly, the game for a lot of these uh, macros now. The macro influencers are just trying to get the brands to put budget behind their Facebook and their Instagram pages so that they can get visibility for their ads. And what that does is tell the algorithm, hey, this influencer, this creator is pushing content through their page because someone else is paying for it. And then the rest of your content travels, which allows you to go to these brands and sell them, say, look how much engagement I'm getting, right? So that's the hack for the macros, the micros, it's just, honestly, it's about being ubiquitous and being everywhere and having your whole story in line. In, in line. And so that, again, if you join TikTok or you see them on Twitter or you're on Instagram, it's consistent and it's not just like, I wonder what this person does. It's like, just make it super straightforward. Well, yeah. hold on. Yeah, I'm going to pause, have you pause right there because we have so many people and I think people need to hear this um, and be hit, hit over the head with it. But, you know, the day of the uh, of the bots and the automation stuff and go follow, unfollow and all this, you know, that, that had gone on for years and years and fake followers and, and pumping up these numbers and things like that. 
it's pretty much gone. I mean, in turn, and you have to put the time in. You have to invest in your business. And, and a lot of time that is you or you and a team member or you and a partner like like Social Jack or us to go in there with you and help. You're building a community. You need to be with that community and talk to them, you know, as if you've built this community center and you're inviting people to participate, yeah. like the YMCA, you know, it's like you're building a or you know, a membership group, right? <laughs> It's called social media. Like you're supposed to interact and engage and respond Thank to comments. You. And like, you can't, you can't fake the funk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's way better to have a concentrated group of followers who know who you are and engage with you than all these bots and fake stuff. Because at the end of the day, down the line, it's not going to produce an ROI for you. So those vanity metrics are ruining the platforms, which is why they're all leaning towards taking away likes and like not showing it because right. people are people are creating inauthentic content to make themselves look a certain way so that they can get likes and followers when in reality it just be a cool person and engage respond to comments respond to messages be authentic you know put out content and if you do that consistently people notice and they want to be in your comments and they want to join the community the community group or conversation and if you don't do it, it's just like, it's lazy on your part, you know? And I see oh, people yeah. all the time, it's like, they post a picture and then they're gone. It's like, who cares about your photo of you? Like ask the question, be engaging, at least respond to the comment. I'm guilty of it, but at least I'm there for an hour after I post talking to everyone, you know? And for me, it's like, I don't want more followers that aren't authentic because I just have random noise. To sit through, well, you know? it's harder to find the people that really matter. You know, the real people. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to find the real stuff. And that's what leads <laughs> to the opportunity, you know? Oh, you have no idea the number of people that knock on our door and say, um, here's my stuff, uh, make me uh, famous. I have 20,000 followers, I need to get to 50 and I'll be back. And then they just, and then we, we, we map out this plan of what they're supposed to do and what we're going to do and how we're going to support them on this effort. And then they don't show up. And I'm just like, no, you have to participate. This is your show. This is, this is, this is your audience. You have to be there with us. I can't even like say it enough times. I hope you're listening. <laughs> it's, yeah, seriously. And it's like an example would be like, what if you had a podcast and then you didn't show up to speak on the podcast? It's like what? You have to put in the work to create the content for other people to consume it. And that's right. another thing. It's like you have to be engaging, but you have to create content that people want to consume. It's not about you. It's not about your 50,000 followers. Your 20 to 50, none of that matters. There's no difference between 20 and 50,000. If you have right. 20,000, you have 3% engagement or you have 100,000 and then you have 1% engagement, who's winning? Right. You know? So it's, it's, it's all about having a captive audience. And I think the micros, it's better to fall under 100K now. But yeah. I'll tell you, I purposely am like just like ho hovering around where I'm at. I'm at like 70K, not paying money for growth, nothing, because I just want the organic growth. You know, right. I'm okay with losing two, 300 followers a day and gaining four or 500 and just slowly, you know, and people fall off and that's fine. I, I don't want people to follow me who aren't going to engage. I actually prefer them to unfollow me because I want more likes per follower count so that my audience gets more reach. Right. So, right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, and the brands love that. 
Yes. Yes, they do. In fact, um, that's where the um, that's where the nanos are starting to kick in now, even the smaller uh, ones, because they're they're so intimate and they're so focused and they're so real. that, like you said, some of them are getting like 30, 40, 50 percent engagement and they have a small audience, but they've got several thousand people out of their five thousand that are actually participating, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I work with a girl, I won't name her, but she had about 4 million followers and she posted about her brand. She started a swimsuit line and posted about it and she made like four sales. I built her whole store and did everything with her and I was like, wow, like you really can't sell. So imagine, <laughs> you're right. And imagine somebody with a thousand followers who actually care about them and you're like, hey, I need you guys and they have 20% engagement. And 10% of those 20%, so 2% of their audience buys from them. She just outpaced that influencer with 4 million followers by 5x. Wow. And then you're paying that person with 4 million followers four grand, and you're paying this other person a few hundred bucks. Which one is actually worth it? You know, it's like, it's it's a no brainer. There's not enough of them. There's not enough people out there between one and 10,000 that are willing to do the work and understand it because you know why? Because as soon as they do it right, they go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And the brands are like, ah, they're in that like middle range becoming a micro. But like what you're saying, like the real small infant stage, that's friends, family, coworkers. Those are the people engaging with those posts. That's why it's high because they know them, you know? And so like you, you have influence on the people that know you and that's good. So it's, yeah. not, it's not about the numbers at all. Really, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just funny. It's almost like you can't, you can't say it loud enough or more, you know, frequent enough. And then, and then they're like, okay, I get it. We'll do it. And we coach them, we onboard them. And then we like start and then we're like, where'd they go? <laughs> and then they're like, and they're like, I want to cancel because I said, well, you didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's on them. Honestly, it's on uh, them. It's, it's accountability to whether it's your client or your own self. It's like, if it's something that you want to do, then you need to do it. Like yeah, Take ownership like of your brand. It. Take ownership of your brand. Boom. That's um, it. So, you, yeah. So, um, so you've had the, uh, like over 500 million uh, YouTube views. If you were going to, um, you, you mentioned about being consistent, being true to yourself, obviously build your channels. You want to look good. Any other, uh, you know, snippets of advice for people that are spending time producing video and, and maybe some things to consider or think about. Yeah. Um, I alluded to it earlier, but that ABCD thing, like I think the most important thing is the connection, the seat. It's obviously great to be like attention grabbing and, you know, putting your brand in front of stuff, but connecting with consumers is number one. I mean, if you don't connect with someone, they're not going to listen to you, right? So whether you're a comedian on a theater stage or whether you're a young entrepreneur with a hundred followers trying to start a, a brand, like connect with people. Otherwise they don't care. Like that's, you got to get people to care. And in this world, it's so quick. People are so quick to decide, and that's what they're deciding. Do I care? Or do I not care? If you don't care, you're not spending money. If you care, you'll consider spending money. And once you have someone right. caring in the consideration phase, then you can pull on their heartstrings and get them to support you. But if you, if you don't connect with them, they're just like, 
whatever. I don't even remember you. So, uh, so, so give us a little more elementary. When you say connect to you, that means to, um, I mean, evoke an emotion out of someone, you know, for me specifically, if I'm selling myself, you know, I'm telling people to do what they love, right? Yeah. Like most people want to have a happy life. If I'm selling a flex watch, buy this watch, feed five children. It's direct impact. Buy this watch, support a family with autism, right? So for me, I tell a story and I showcase exactly what it is I'm doing in that video and how I'm either helping an entrepreneur or I'm, I'm impacting community uh, through charity. And so those are where people are like, oh, wow. There's hungry kids in Mexico and this guy's feeding them every time he sells a watch. I want to help hungry kids in Mexico. How can I do that? Oh, just buy this watch. Join us. Join us. Right. And they're like, oh, I want to join. Yeah. And link and they're buying a watch and they're like, why don't I just buy this rubber watch? You know, and like sold hundreds of thousands of these things. And people probably look at them on their desk like. What is this thing? You know, a rubber watch. But right. what the emotion was in head when they look at it, they don't see this. They see, oh, I gave five meals. You know, so I think connecting with consumers on a brand level, and then in the content, like be engaging. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, evoke emotion, but it can be funny. You can make people laugh. You can make people cry. Um, you can make people think. Asking questions. But if you're not doing anything that's going to cause them to stop, think, and connect with it, have a thought about it outside of what you're telling them, then they're not going to draw their own conclusion. And that's what you really need them to do is like encourage them to uh, think, basically. Yeah, and I, and I like what you said about um, – we always call it the invitation, but the invitation to join. I think so many people like think like, oh, I need to tell them to go do something. But – you know, you wouldn't walk into a room and tell a room full of people, hey, go to my website and then walk out. You know, you would start conversations and you would invite them to follow you to this, you know, thing or this cause or whatever it is. And and I want people to actually hear what you said in that. Yeah. And then just to elaborate on that in another example, imagine walking into a retail store and the person at the cashier, the cashier comes up to you and says, hey, buy this. Buy now what? You know, it's like, Hey, welcome to the store. Let me know if you need anything. And then a couple minutes later, if you want to try anything on, let me know if you need your size. You're in the dressing room. Is it fitting? Can I get you something? Let me know. By the time you made the purchase, you feel like they're your personal assistant, right? You're you're literally shaking their hand and grabbing the bag and like, thank you. You're thanking them for the value they just added for the money that, that you just spent at a thousand percent markup in their store right so like it's about the experience and it's about people getting into that sales funnel whether it's in real life or online you can't just like go with the buy now buy now it's like they never once tell you in a store to buy it they might offer you something say oh did you see this rack there's discounts over here you know might notice that you're not shopping a lot and that you might be thinking about money so they're gonna say oh by the way come over here check out the sales section so yeah, in my head, it's it's kind of obvious, but I, I do realize because I see people all the time like, buy now, swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. It's like, like maybe a swipe up when you're like, hey, I have some valuable information for you and I want you to connect. I uh, just drop the link below, just swipe up and check it out. 
not like swipe up right now to buy this. You know? Yeah. And it, it's hard. And, and one more piece of that, there is a time and a place when someone showed intent to buy and they're not buying and you've given them a discount and you've hit all the boxes, you've introduced them to your brand, you've connected with them. And then you're like, I just can't get this person to buy. Okay. Well, maybe they need a sense of urgency. Maybe they need to know that this discount's expiring and they have to buy in the next 24 hours. That's urgency. And that's when they're already like mid to lower funnel, which is completely different than like, hey, top of funnel, buy for me, you know? In so, your first conversation. <laughs> Even in the first two weeks, like my ads that say that stuff, my email flows, they're weeks down the line. They're like, you know, day 21 to 28, where it's like last week of expiring. And then after a month, I'm not even worried about them. They'll come back on their own, you know, because they've seen it all. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. And uh, again, I think people can't hear that enough. Um, I always I always get so much from these conversations because it's like um, we think so much a, a lot on this, but I still think people think there's that easy button for success and they don't know that there's, you know, time and effort and money that, that go into these things. You know, it's like, come on, we're building businesses here, people. It's not like, I actually had uh, somebody that was, um, that has, uh, you know, uh, you know, about the kid influencers out there, 13 and under, you know, and so uh, they had somebody and I said, well, this is what our package price is. And no matter who you are, because it's a business and they go, well, don't you have a price for kids? And I go, you're, you know, they just signed a $40,000 contract. They're not, it's not a kid anymore. It's like, it's a business, you know? Yeah. Just, and that it's honestly, to me, it's like probably even more valuable for that kid. Right. Yeah. So an adult, they're, they kind of know what they know and they're going to like do what they do and their peers are going to think what they think. But a kid is still so moldable and so impressionable that you can teach them what to do now. And they can influence a generation of kids for the next 10, five to 10 decades, depending on science. But you know what I mean? Like we're at that point now where these kids have to do that because in the future, in their future, like if you want to get into a good college and the college wants to have you and you're yes. going to have to have other things on your resume than just you're like, gonna have to, yeah. you're going to have to have a digital brand. Yeah. Well, you're, and, you know, and then hopefully maybe. Yeah, and you're talking to a parent, uh, which is funny because I wasn't generating an influencer with my daughter, but I know very well that over the course of her softball career, we invested over $50,000 and that wasn't even for her to be an influencer or monetize it at that point. You know what I mean? There was hopes of her going to college and she hung up her cleats and wound up on stage and she's got a beautiful voice and having fun. But it's like, but I'm like, it, you know, if, you, if you're spending that kind of money on sports and things like that, if you do have, have your, your kids going out there into the world or into the marketplace, well, no different than yourself. It's an investment. You know, think about it. It's a business that you have to invest some, somewhere, you know. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at old Hollywood with all the uh, momagers who are just putting yeah. all this money into their kids. I mean, and look at the bad products of some of those people, you know, Selena yeah. Gomez, Justin Bieber, those kids don't exist without being an influencer. They yeah. were influential, whether that's because of Disney. I mean, look at everyone, Jake Paul, he was on Disney. Like those are Disney kids. Those are like real stars and their parents put a lot of work into them. A lot of those kids didn't even get to go to school. You know right. what I mean? 
they didn't get to even have a normal life. So it's like you talk about working hard. They worked harder than most adults. And now what are they doing? They're chilling. They're yeah. worth, you know, nine, ten figures. It's like, whoa, they're definitely they and everyone wants to now do what they're doing. Like, oh, I want to blow up my kid on YouTube. It's like, well, you're like <laughs> 10 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, and yeah, I, that was, I see it now, you know, I still see it to this day with people who already have an influence and they're like, I want to start selling merch. And it's like, did you not know that the merch wave happened like five years ago? You know, and now you think people are just going to wear a shirt with your name on it. Those times are gone, bud. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta give something and you gotta create a brand. That's not you, not your name. Like no one wants a shirt that says Logan Paul on it. I mean, maybe Maverick, a brand he created, but at, at the end of the day, like you have to build your personal brand and then attach that to products or services. You can't just like be yourself and expect people to want to buy you, you know? Yeah. You have to have a talent. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and I do like the, uh, ABCD, uh, I think they tweeted that out there for you, but it's, and for us and for the audience, but I think that's, um, that's a whole big, that's a, that's a great, easy system for people to do. Can you just recap that one more time? Yeah. So, and I'll be a little bit more detailed. So the A is attract, right? And it, it also attention. So you want to grab someone's attention. So you want to get someone to look at your thing. And usually it's nice to have that in the first few seconds, an attention hook, right? Uh, B is brand. You want to make sure your brand and your product are in the video and show how it's used. Like if you're a Tide, if you're a Tide commercial, you're going to show someone doing laundry. If you're Coke, you're going to show someone drinking the Coke. Logo, Coca-Cola. If you're the iPhone, you're going to show the phone moving and all this stuff, right? So that's just so important. People just don't put their products in videos and show how it's used. It's, it's crazy. Um, and then connect that whole part with the C about making a connection with people. Like you have to really think through what the purpose of this video is and how you're going to get them to do that. And you got to connect to them on an emotional level to get them to take that action. And that's the D, which is direct, really, but drive traffic, but direct them to an offer. So, so many times you'll just see, oh, that was a cool commercial. That was like a cool vibe. And again, those videos exist, but they're for brand. Like I have those videos and they just look cool, but that, there's a reason for that. It's because I wanted someone to watch that video and just feel like they understand the brand and then come in with a direct response ad as knowing that they viewed that video. So that's completely different in saying, I just want to have a brand video. I just yeah. want to build my brand, right? A brand video doesn't have to be salesy, connect, doesn't have to do all those things. It just has to build the brand. But if you want to create a viral video that's going to go out to millions of people, it has to have that element of, hey, you, you, under, you got your attention. You understand my brand and product. You've connected with it. Now what do you want them to do? And it's like there's so many videos that just end with no real call to action yeah. that it makes it very difficult as an advertiser to then say, hey, let's just run this video ad and like, you know, say, take Matt Ween, for example, who we were talking about earlier, right? So if Holonis were to distribute a viral video through the Holonis network of over a thousand creators, then they need that video to direct those millions of people to do something. Otherwise, it's right. just a video that can't be monetized, you know? And it's so... At the end of the day, even if you're a comedian and you have a funny video, go tell them to subscribe to your channel so that you can monetize their views later. You know, yep. and that's that's it's, for me. It's everything. If you yeah. if you forget one of those elements, it's not worth spending money. 
you know? <laughs> um, right. You know, oh, it's a great video, but it doesn't show the product. Oh, it's a great video, but it doesn't have a call to action. Oh, it's a great video, but I felt nothing. I didn't connect with it. I didn't think. Oh, it was a good video, but it didn't catch my attention. So it's like, you got to hit all those if you want to have a direct response marketing campaign. Period. Period. (laughs) And I broke that down over years. I was like, God, what do all these videos that actually work have in common? And I've done product placement where say Damon John wore my watch on Shark Tank for four seasons. Season one, two, three, and four, he's wearing a custom flex watch that says Mogul on it. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't say anything. You can see it, but that doesn't matter. It has to literally be connected. It needs to say, hey, go buy this. So when you have the YouTube video with the link in it or something of that nature, really does help with the product placement. Um, But I learned that product integration and storyline integration is what really triggers. So I was like, oh, every single time that I've either been on TV or had a video that did well, it had all those elements. If it was missing one thing, it didn't work. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I want everybody to realize that, you know, we talked about it's all about who you know. But Travis, so many times mentioned, I went to this person and this person. Let people know in your network what you're doing. <laughs> Can't say it enough. Can't say it enough, man. <laughs> it really is so true. Yeah. And you have to so, be a Yeah. So with that being said, let's bring uh, Jackson and Monica on and uh, tra- uh, Travis. It's really, we always learn so much. I, you know, it's like I either get the great reminders and reinforcement or I always learn something new. And I forgot about the ABCD. So thank you so much for sharing that. But uh, Monica, what'd you get out of today's show? Um, I mean, first off your story, I really resonated, especially coming from the fashion industry. I've done it for 12 years. I've done all those trade shows and just, you know, seeing like where you started and where you are now. Very cool. Um, really appreciate your story. And, um, what you said too, about, you know, just being consistent with your story, your voice throughout all your channels. And one question I have for you, what channel do you really invest most of your time in? I do Instagram and Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook, mainly obviously Facebook because of Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. Um, I spend the majority of my budgets on that and majority of my effort is on the paid side not as much the organic side. Um, Since I understand paid media, I just make sure that that content and that voice is consistent on my brands, but I reach millions of people a week through paid ads. Makes sense. All right, cool. Thank you. (laughs) Jackson, how about you? Well, I really like the ABC, uh, the ABCD that he talked about. I feel like that goes hand in hand with our 20 minute a day uh, model that we talk about all the time. And then uh, I also, you know, like that you referenced, you know, being a comedian a lot. I thought that was really cool. Uh, you, brought, you brought that up a couple of times and I was like, hmm, awesome. But, uh, because you, you do see so many comedians and talented people out there doing skits. And those are a lot of the videos that travel. But at the end of the day, it's just mindless entertainment. And people aren't taking it to that next level where it's like, you're funny, but are you King Batch? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was like definitely taking notes going, mm, I got to talk to my uh, improv team about some things, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got the Second City show coming up. I mean, what's better than filming that and distributing it on Facebook, you know? And yeah, YouTube definitely. And- I completely agree. Yeah. 
Cool stuff. Well, uh, Travis, it's been a, a delight. Jackson, do we have any uh, winners out there for today? Uh, yes. Today we have Miriam Rose Khan and Miriam. Sam Alley. All right, Sam Alley, and uh, happy belated birthday, Sam. So, uh, Travis, what we do is we empower our entire audience to leave here today and to go share with everyone um, what they learned from this session and from you. And we want them to, to take whatever inspired them and take that uh, to the next cup of coffee or the next meeting or maybe the person sitting next to them and just share what they learned so that they remember to apply it. And those people that get the coffee gift cards engaged a little bit more than everybody else. And so it's the key is you said connect and the power is in engaging. So we want to reward them for going out into uh, their world and having a cup of coffee, but also talking about what inspired you about today's show. So uh, Trav, I want to thank you so much. I'll be uh, back out your way in a few weeks. So I'll definitely look you up. And um, we always learn so much from you. And thanks for your time with us today and sharing. And then when we share this episode out, we'll tag you and we'll continue the conversation. Yeah, and I'll share it out. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, listen. We'll see you online and we'll see you in the next show next Wednesday. Same time, same channels. Be there or be square. We'll see you online. All right. I'll be there as a, as a spectator. <laughs> Trav, thank you so much. Tell everybody back home there in San Diego at the Holanis headquarters. I said, hey, and... Um, uh, and then also, I forgot, I've got a couple of other um, uh, shows coming up that I'll, uh, I'll introduce you to for speaking as well. So, Awesome. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see yes. you real soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.